Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard is John McCormick. And John, I know this is going to seem so unfamiliar to you as a political journalist, but Donald Trump says something crazy and the whole media world responds. Are we going to do this for the next six months, just the the Donald deja vu until November? It seems like, you know, I think he can go maybe a month or two without actually no. saying something. No, he, no I think way. he kind of did that in March after the whole Wisconsin disaster. Oh, he, I'm sorry. He, did he, you say a month or two or a lunch or two? I think a month. He can make it about four <laughs> weeks, which is pretty impressive. Um, you know, he, for something really crazy, something really outlandish, I mean, what, he from the Heidi Cruz attack to the Judge Curiel attack, that was, what, maybe maybe two months. So I don't think there's anything really insane, and it looks like he's uh, had a bad couple weeks. Though. Well, tell us what he said this time, the start from the beginning on the spectrum of, of Donald Trump controversy, where would you rank it? I would think near the top. So he's talking about Iraq um, and says, quote, how about bringing baskets of money? He's talking about how corrupt it was. How about bringing baskets of money, millions and millions of dollars and handing it out? I want to know who are the soldiers who had that job? Because I think they're living very well right now, wherever they may be. So, you know, who are the soldiers bringing baskets of money? Well, obviously, those were U.S. soldiers. The Iraqis were not involved. Uh, Trump has now responded through his campaign spokeswoman saying he was talking about Iraqi troops. But again, it just completely doesn't make any sense. Mike Warren uh, talked to a veteran who's actually tweeted about this and said that, listen, we handle the money. We had some Iraqi interpreters, but this was our money. Uh, the quote makes no sense. The defense makes no sense. So he's uh, basically drawing a lot of attention, saying that American troops were, inv- were basically thieves. Yeah, it's hard to navigate around that. I mean, I, I'm trying to put my Trump hat on and go, well, maybe he meant this or that. But this seems to me of a piece with uh, Bush Lytus into war. Uh, John McCain, I prefer my war heroes when they're not captured, where it's a pretty kind of brutal comment about American troops. I don't get the upside. I don't see it. I don't see it either. I think, you know, he was just popping off. It was something in his head from a story he read a while ago. He's talking about how corrupt it was in general. I mean, it's it's a classic left-wing smear. You know, I mean, there's a kernel of truth there in the fact that, you know, among any group of human beings, there will be crimes committed. Sure. Uh, in the Vietnam War, there were rapes and murders. But John Kerry is the one who slandered every single man he served with uh, by suggesting that these were commonplace on a day-to-day basis with full knowledge at right. all levels of command. Trump doesn't go that explicitly in saying it happened all the time, but that's pretty much the clear implication. That you don't you don't begin talking about how, you know, oh, I wonder if these these guys, you know, they, they, they rape some people and murder them on the side. A presidential candidate doesn't say that. Uh, you don't end up talking about you know, portraying the U.S. troops who served honorably and sacrificed a lot, uh, immeasurably, in many cases, uh, you, don't, you don't portray them as thieves. And uh, if you look at the numbers, uh, you know, about a million Americans cycled through Iraq during that period. And I think the number I saw was just over 100 prosecutions for crimes of all kinds, not, you know, just you know this. But in other words, for a dangerous place, a group of young men who tend to be troublemakers, the American military acquitted itself pretty darn well. So that brings us back to this argument that you've heard many times from Trump supporters. He's playing mind games. You know, he says something crazy and it causes Hillary or President Obama to respond. And, and even though what they're saying, you know, it's, it seems like an ugly conversation. It's bringing issues to the fore that's, that help Trump. It's the, the throwing sparks theory. You know, it just enlightens something. Do you see... Any machinations, the people you've talked to, uh, Republicans on the Hill, 
are, are they offering a strategic view of Trump's latest comments? On this comment, uh, no. I mean, if I tried to do my best to defend them in, on those grounds, you know, I don't know. He's, he's saying that the whole system is corrupt, you know, even the military. I'm going to go in there and make great deals, mm-hmm. do smart things. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I went down to uh, to Capitol Hill uh, with General Liffitz uh, today, and we tried to ask as many Republican senators about these comments as possible. Most of them said they hadn't heard of them first. We read the quote uh, verbatim to them, as I just did on, on the show. And, you know, some of them actually ended up commenting. Uh, Lindsey Graham, who is not going to support Trump, he condemned it pretty strongly. He said it taints the entire military. He explained that, you know, in 115 of these guys, uh, who, out of what, a million who right. served, uh, were convicted for embezzlement or fraud or so- something like that. You know, it, it's, it really is unfair to the vast majority who served honor- honorably. Uh, Kelly Ayotte uh, criticized him. Dan Sullivan, who is currently serving as a uh, lieutenant colonel, as a Marine Corps reservist, uh, he also criticized him as well. But no real strong condemnation. Uh, it was uh, uh, Senator Cotton, a veteran, Senator McCain, a veteran. They all sort of brushed off the questions, avoided no comments. I'm just looking for my car. Uh, we're standing outside of the <laughs> National Republican Senatorial Committee. Senator McCain had a, had a couple minutes before his car arrived, but he still <laughs> decided not to comment. Uh, other senators said they had no idea what he was talking about. And um, so that's where things stand. But I think it's going to be difficult for these uh, you know, Republicans who are want to make this man the commander-in-chief and the head of the executive branch, uh, that they can get away with not commenting on him when he says things like this. Uh, I think they have to. The polls since the Orlando terror attack have been lousy for Donald Trump. And I think it's still early. I don't know that we've got really results you know, from 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 people processing how the two candidates responded, we do have one CBS poll that says that 51 percent of Americans think Donald Trump's response was the wrong kind. And the reason I bring that up is now that he's driven his disapproval rating up to 70 percent, now that he's trailing Hillary by 12, 13 points, could it be that things are so bad that this is actually a way to change the conversation? Uh, I, I can't see, I can't read anything that clever into it. I think that, I really had no idea how the Orlando attack was going to shake out politically mm-hmm. when it happened. Obviously, your immediate response is the shock and horror uh, at the tragedy of, of these innocent lives being snuffed out uh, by a vicious terrorist. Uh, but when you begin to think about the political impact, I think that, you know, this could have been a great opportunity uh, for, for Trump to respond to Obama's political correctness, the liberal nonsense about gun control. Uh, talking about the threat of Islamic, radical Islamic, radical Islamist, whatever you want to use, uh, word to describe the, the terrorism that's going on. Uh, but I think he really did botch it by suggesting, you know what, his, his first tweet is saying, appreciate the congrats for being right about Islamic terrorism. Appreciate the congrats, as, as if that's something a president would ever say in response to a terrorist attack. Uh, then what he suggested Obama is, uh, you know, he either doesn't get it or he gets it better than anybody expected, suggesting something very, very dark, uh, that the president is sort of okay or doesn't really care that or or likes that that this Islamic terrorism is trying to imply that Obama is a Muslim. This is part of the piece of the Trump thing. And I uh, I agree with you that I was thinking this might be an opportunity for Trump, because if you reduce the Trump argument down to its essence, it's the people in power are too weak and through that weakness, inept to do their job. And so President Obama gives a very weak response to the terror attack, much weaker than his response to Trump. I mean, oh my gosh, if he'd have been as passionate about the terror as it was Trump. So, so Obama did his part, Hillary Clinton did her part, and yet Trump hasn't been able to seize the mantle because his message has been so off-putting or convoluted or 
outright offensive. And so my question now to wrap up is if strength isn't going to be the issue that Trump grabs, in other words, if events like Orlando are not going to be the kind of events that pull people towards him, if he's still going to use them to find a way to at best not change the field, where is his path? If this isn't the, you know what I'm saying? If, if fear of terror and concerns about security and people coming from other places to our country, if they won't boost Trump's poll numbers, what will? Well, I would say one, you know, I'm still not convinced. I don't know how this shakes out still. Okay. I mean, most of the polls are, you know, post-Judge Curiel not quite factoring in this. I don't know. Maybe the average American does just see, you know, this guy's a little crazy, but at least he's going to, you know, break things and mm-hmm. go after the bad guys and call them who they are. Uh, and maybe they ignore these other things. Maybe that, that actually happens and, and, and the polls tighten. So that's one. Number two, you know, this has been on the theme of unpredictability. This has been such an unpredictable year. You know, I've always had the feeling that, you know, I don't know what the thing is. You know, right. I could I, I could see this race being, you know, Trump being down the whole campaign. Maybe it closes to five points or so and some event happens. Right. Some October surprise out of the, you know, and he's the president. I mean, it, when I, what I like to say to people is, listen, even if you think Trump only has a 20 percent chance of being president, it's like winning a few bucks on a scratch off lotto ticket. It's not winning the Powerball. So, you know, even if you think they're bad odds and I think that they're bad odds, uh, it's still a significant chance that he's going to be the next president of the United States of America. John McCormick, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. Thank you. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check WeeklyStandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.